Hello and welcome to the Parker Parker Podcast. I am your host, Eric Parker. I just want to start off by saying once again, love and respect to all the love and respect that's been given. I thank y'all, certainly an inspiration for keeping going, making sure you got something to listen to on that commute in the Monday morning when it comes around, you know, uh, that kind of thing. Love y'all and appreciate y'all and uh, we're going to keep it going. You know, in uh, leading up, a lot of what I do in looking for new ideas to talk about and keeping up with my own thoughts, right, in the sense that I'm always exploring, you know, why I think the way I do and, and taking in opposing viewpoints to kind of balance things out inside of my own head, make sure that where I'm coming from is really where I'm coming from, right? Because I'll address it so often and I'll talk so often about the future and where I think society is headed and where it could head and all those things. Well, it's important to take viewpoints from maybe different than how I would view things. I think it's important to do that to explore outside ideas from your own scope so that you're not just stuck inside the echo chamber and hearing an opinion different from your own, and sometimes vastly different. And so that's what I'll do uh, leading up to different episodes, coming up with new ideas and talking points and those kinds of things, because I want to make sure that the content that I bring in here is fresh and new every time, even if it's circling around to talk about a lot of the same points, right? It, It might have a certain direction, just natural inclinations of where I'm coming from as a person. But I don't want it to sound like you're listening to the same thing every time you tune in, you know. And so with that being said, I'll go on YouTube and watch other videos and podcasts and those kinds of things to really explore what people are saying and try to gather in different viewpoints. And a gentleman that I was watching a little bit of this past week was the viewpoint of Thomas Sowell. Uh, in that last name you spell S-O-W-E-L-L if you're interested in just you know doing your own YouTube search to see. But he is an intellectual uh, who is long studied, right? He's got a ton of different disagrees from different schools and those kinds of things. And um, he's a black gentleman, uh, which kind of, you know, when I first came around, uh, well, not first time, I had seen him before, but recently when I was looking uh, for different viewpoints and those kinds of things, I was actually uh, doing searches under reparations on YouTube with the idea of just getting different ideas on what that would look like, right? Because I do think it's a good idea. I think there should be an amends made for for the past atrocities, right? And to try to get things on a more equal playing field in society, you know? I mean, it wasn't that long ago that people were dealing with Jim Crow laws and and all those things that came along with it, you know? And the repercussions that you see generationally getting passed down, you know, into the prison industrial complex, flooding of neighborhoods with drugs. Uh, There's a lot of things that still go on 
in society today that really are ramifications and repercussions from things past, right? And I don't think until that's really acknowledged and addressed in its entirety, I don't think you'll ever really be able to move on from it, you know? And so I think I think we should get to there at some point. You know, I think that's something we're striving for, and I continue to feel that way. Um, but I also like, you know, gathering viewpoints or more information on it and seeing what other people have to say on the topic, right? And so that's how I came across uh, Thomas Sowell recently, who, when you look at him in his position, is really <laughs> not a proponent of reparations. Right, But the justification that he gives is basically an argument that says, yeah, but, you know, yeah, but there was slavery elsewhere, and there have been Irish people that have been enslaved, and it started with the Romans many years back, and then the Egyptians before them, and slavery has been everywhere, so what makes the U.S. any different, you know, is essentially the argument being made by him, in a nutshell, it's a rather condensed version of what he has to say, but it's kind of what it all boils down to, you know, along with pointing out, you know, African participation in the European slave trade, you know, slave owners in the U.S., you know, he, he talks about these kinds of things as a reason why reparations doesn't make sense you know from his vantage point of where he's coming from and when i look at that i think he's just looking at the wrong thing right like all that can still be true you know the things that he that he's saying or the the historical accuracies that he or past actions if you will you know whatever you want to call it that he's pointing to those things can all be true right yeah those can absolutely be true he he could be saying things that are 100% factual right that doesn't mean that reparations is somehow becomes a bad idea not in my own eyes you know there's still the repercussions that people are dealing with in society today from the actions of the past right that have a direct result of not only slavery but the slave racist programs and you know actions whatever you want to call them the laws the such the way people acted afterwards all those things right those are still being dealt with much later than the fact of just slavery itself existing in america and again i don't think it's ever been truly addressed right and they'll say well it wasn't the government or it was people individually that did that so on but I'm sure there's businesses still in today that had profited off of slave labor, right? That are still making money today. Families that are still making money today. Those things don't just go away and disappear. And until you really make amends for it, uh, things is, are, are going to continue to be, you know, unforgiven in a sense, right? Uh, it's You can't make amends and move forward without making those amends. I, I really feel that deeply. That's that is the case in America. And if we really want to move on, we're going to have to we're going to have to eventually address it. We're going to have to eventually come to the table and have an honest conversation about it, you know. 
And so when I look at him, it's just it's interesting to get that viewpoint though of where he's coming from. You know, it's uh, and I can take on and acknowledge the validity of somebody else's argument and those kinds of things and still disagree with it. I think that's also important in that discourse is to, it's okay that somebody has an opposing idea different from what you might have. You know, I don't expect everybody I run into to agree with me 100%. And it's not necessary, right? We're supposed to have differing opinions at some point, somewhere along the way. We're human after all, right? When you open up the box of crayons and it's got 64 colors in it, right? They're going to be different. And I I want it to be that way, right? Because if they were all one color, it just wouldn't be as cool a box of crayons, you know, at the end of the day. And so I think it's important to keep that in mind, that you're not going to agree with people 100%. That doesn't mean you shouldn't listen to what people you disagree with have to say. I think that's missing a lot in public discourse in America these days. And I think that's to our own detriment that that's the case. I think we can do better in that regards. But I think it's calls for having open and honest conversations with people to start getting those things out in the open to have those conversations. And I'm I'm totally with you know, talking to people that disagree with me, that's fine, right? We can disagree. But let's each be heard in those disagreements. You know, I sat down and watched the full interviews, when, or at least the clips anyways, at, you know, 30, 40 minutes at a time to hear what somebody else has to say in those appointing views. And if you watch more videos of Thomas Sowell, uh, he would bring up the concept of constrained versus unconstrained. And that terminology was new to me when I was hearing it come out of his mouth. I haven't really heard things put in that view before. You know, the dichotomy that typically exists in America is left versus right, you know, Republican versus Democrat, which, going back to what I've said before, I don't feel like either of those parties speak for me, right? And so, with that being the case, and hearing terminology that's new in regards to the political realm, was interesting. And so I looked into it further. What does he mean when he says constrained versus unconstrained, right? And so those are really constrained would be leaning more towards uh, what people would label as conservative and unconstrained leaning more to what people would view as the left. But the definitions are a little bit different. And I think it's interesting looking at those things in that context, right? And basically what it kind of comes down to, and again, I'm summarizing the terminology and the breakdown from what I was watching was much longer than what I'm going to go into here at this time. But the constrained view was basically that humans are flawed inherently, and fixedly flawed, meaning that humans aren't ever really going to change, that the same corrupt individuals that we deal with now are the same personalities that we were dealing with 2,000 years ago, or what have you. You know, that in the structure of society, there are going to be people that do certain things and behave in certain ways, and that you're always going to have that, and because you're always going to have that, that you have to put systems in place that address those systems and allow us to function the best that we can with that being the case, right? And that the unconstrained view 
in contrast to that, basically views that people can evolve and change and aren't fundamentally fixated on that one viewpoint of always being seriously flawed, corrupt, and eventually, you know, corruptible, right? Uh, and so I think it's interesting to view it in those terms because when you when you start looking at it from that vantage point, you get a better idea of the underlying outlooks, if you will, uh, between the left and right dichotomy. And still, as I read those, I still don't feel like either one really speaks to who, who I am, you know, because as you look at it, um, they would tell you, you know, com- when comparing the two, that the unconstrained view is largely uh, very up for interpretation when it comes to the Constitution. And I don't lean that way personally. I am more of, I think we should look at the law, interpret it what it for what it says versus what it might be implying, right? And so I'm, I'm very strict. Or not very strict, but I, I just believe that's the way that the law should be handled and judged, right? So I'm more of a, a constitutionalist in that term. However, with that being said, I still think that there should be laws in place that are trying to do the best that they can to eliminate poverty, right? And that would be a very unconstrained kind of viewpoint, you know? And so... With that being the case, again, none of them really speak for me. <laughs> you know, uh, is that I'm a mix of all of them, and really I just want solutions. You know, because I do think, really, that you can shrink down government just as possible, as small as you can. I think you should just send the money to people directly and let us figure it out for ourselves. I really think. That's the true solution to a lot of the problems in society today is that we lift the tide up high enough to where all the boats rise up and that everybody has a decent shot um, and the ability to go out and make sure they've got a roof over their head, food on the table and some clothes on their back and not constantly stressed about just staying alive, right? I think that's really where we should have the floor at in society and then let people make their own choices from there, right? I think the government for means testing uh, and welfare programs and those things uh, largely end up not working and a lot of times work to somebody's detriment with those things being in place. I think we should remove the means testing, send everybody money, (laughs) you know, via UBI and let the people decide what they will with it. And then in sending it everywhere, you know, going back to the UBI conversation, it removes the stigma. It lets people figure out what they need to do with their own lives, and it gives them the freedom to make those choices. But I do think that if you take poverty and stress of daily life out of the situation, is that I think you'll get a lot of the reactions that the unconstrained mindset would hope for and that the constrained mindset wouldn't believe possible, right? Uh, So, you know, my heart and soul kind of leads more onto an unconstrained viewpoint. The realist in me understands the need for constraint, but the answers lie 
and the things that neither side has really tried. You know, it's, I really believe that to be the case, you know. And so that's kind of where we're at. But, but understanding that terminology and going and doing your own research, like if you're hearing this and you want to go back and look at it later on, I think it can do a lot of good to say, okay, what is the constrained versus unconstrained worldviews? What does that mean, right? Because understanding that terminology, I think, gives you a better understanding of the underlying principles that guide kind of both sides. And it also helps to see where those flaws are at. Because if you only look at the past, which the constrained worldview would do, is that a lot of it is taken from historical cues and looking at what's already transpired because life is cyclable and that we're going to see the players coming and going the same way because human nature is fixed, right? That they think you have to look back in history to find the answer to the current problem that you're facing. And that viewpoint lacks imagination, right? And with that, and in that lack of imagination, it keeps you from the answers that will propel things forward into a future we haven't seen, you know? And so that is where we need to go. We need to be able to have the strength of imagination to see and do better than what we've ever done before. And we have to believe that it's possible because it is. We just have to have enough people moving in one direction and wanting the same thing. And if you have that, you will have the change that I believe most people in this world would like to see, especially from a U.S. standpoint. You know, I, I think people would like to be less stressed, to worry about bills less, to be on vacation more, to have more times with their family, to be better taken care of in health care, and to uh, take vacations you know, I, I, th I think everybody would like to see that. I, I, you, I think you'd be hard-pressed to talk to anybody who would say, oh, no, that's, that sounds crazy, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and if they do feel that way, I think they're crazy, you know? So it's just something to think about, uh, you know, and I hope that people are out there really thinking and kind of, you know, taking the wings and flying with it, right? Because that's what it's all about, right? It's not about just me. The world is much, much bigger than my own ideas. I am fundamentally flawed <laughs> as a human in a lot of different ways. And I hope that God that comes across that I know that, you know, it's uh, I, I can't stand when people point fingers like they don't have any problems of their own. You know, it, you see a lot of that on the uh, figureheads for the public news sources out there, the big news sources out there is that there's that high and mighty, you know, uh, air that they carry themselves with as if their shit doesn't stink. And it's crazy. It's not really the case. It's not really the case for anybody, right? And so I can acknowledge human flaws and realize they're there, but I don't think they're fixed in the sense that they can't be changed. I think if you remove poverty out of the situation you would see a lot of things disappear that are currently problems now. A lot of those problems would go away, you know. And that's what it's really about, is trying to build a better world for our kids, right? And for ourselves, too, you know. I just don't think I'm going to be around on Earth long enough to really, really see it. But, you know, hopefully I'm wrong on that one. Hopefully I wake up in 20, 30 years from now, and it does look 
a lot fucking better and a lot more uh, close to the image I see in my head when I think about how great things could be. You know, I would love to be around long enough to see it. But if I'm not, and I still spark the ideas that eventually make it happen some way, if I help uplift the collective consciousness of humankind on Earth, then I'll have done my part, you know, and I'll know that I had come through this world and it not been all in vain, you know, because in my heart of hearts, you know, it's something that I've always hoped for humanity is that we would get it together someday and really um, realize things for for the beauty that they could be versus the ugliness that they oftentimes are, you know. It's, um, but it builds personality too, right? <laughs> You know, I think it's funny. It's weird in that sense. Because I do wonder that. If if you got to this point where everything was awesome, right? Would st- people stop being cool because of it? Because the struggle will make you a real motherfucker out there. Like, I have been through some shit in my life. But I'm not going to harp on it, right? Just know that it's been there. And that I've seen some things in my time on this earth. And those things helped to shape me to who I am today, Right, And I would be a less colorful soul, I think, if I didn't experience those hard times in life. And so it's weird when you think about it, right? Because if you get to the point where the hard times aren't there so much and everybody is just having a good time, does that make you less good of a person in the long run because of what you didn't experience? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that one. I still want to move towards a better world, you know. But it is interesting to think about what happens to the personalities that exist in a world that aren't built with so much struggle and hardship. Because a lot of the cool people that I know in this world have been through a lot of shit. And people that have had everything given to them tend to be, I'll say, more shallow, right? There There just doesn't seem to be as much depth to them, typically speaking, but... I don't know whatever all goes into that, you know, and um, it's just an it's an interesting thought exercise to go down and just wonder, you know. A lot of times you can wish for the best, but then there's still the unintended consequences that could happen in life. And I think those also have to try to be considered, even though it's hard to consider them because they're unintended in the first place, right? Like, <coughs> excuse me, you didn't want them to happen, right? Because you weren't even thinking about them happening. But then they end up happening anyways. So when you think of solutions to problems and you're trying to imagine what that would look like, is I think it's also important to imagine at least possibly what could go wrong because of it. You know, If for nothing else, it's a good thought exercise. Because again, are we really going to see any of the things that we talk about? Who knows? I hope so. Organization, right? All coming together. But we can move for change. We can keep on doing it. And speaking of that, another thing that I've been talking about lately with people, and I wish I would change, and this is a completely different subject because, as you know, we can change it up. We can talk about different things. And I don't intend that this podcast is always swimming in the deep end of the pool, even though it goes there a lot. Uh, To use another analogy that I was uh, using in a recent conversation is that I am the full side of the pool as a human being on Earth, right? There's the four-foot side of the pool that you can wade in and have some fun and throw the kids around in, you know, uh, that kind of thing, play 
horse or chicken or whatever you want to call it, it joust, you know, in the pool. That happens on the, on the lower end where your feet touch real easy, you know. And at the same time, that 12-foot side with the deep end is there all the time too. And I can swim over in that deep end and I find myself in those deep end waters quite a bit, especially when I'm having this podcast. But the reality is that that four-foot side of the pool uh, is me as well, you know, and I have that as a person, which I'm sure everybody that listens to this thing knows. Like, I'm not always serious all the time. And in fact, I'm probably the most serious on this podcast versus anything that you see out in real life because the reality is that in real life, I'd rather be in the forefoot into the pool most of the time, right? Like, I'm just out there uh, socializing, having a good time, having discussions, you know. And sometimes I'll get deep, sometimes not, whatever, right? But you could, you got to have both sides of personality. And I certainly understand that. And so, uh, going to the a bit of, of the forefoot side of the pool on things, so to speak, is in... Maybe it's both. Maybe maybe it's the six foot side. Maybe maybe you get starting to get a little deep, but you know, still not the not the deepest it gets. But in the name of getting our lexicon correct, right? And the um, derogatory nature that gets thrown in when relating to things of the female side of things. Uh, you're a pussy, <laughs> you know, stop being a girl, you know, those kinds of things when somebody's crying or, or whatever. That gets said a lot, right? But really there's a need for a change in that. And I have been t- having this conversation on, on one-offs uh, this past week with people, but I really do believe it. Uh, we should stop saying that because in those circumstances anyways, because you know, I was right next to my wife as she gave birth to both of our children. And um, uh, there's nothing weak <laughs> or uh, unresilient about a pussy. Like, that, that is the most flexible, uh, pain-taking um, part of the human anatomy that probably ever was, right? And so there's really nothing stronger out there on the human body than a pussy, you know? And so we call when we say that we we're really we really should be telling people not to be a testicle or a nutsack, whatever, right? Uh, that's that's the sensitive shit. And owning a pair of balls, I can tell you, way 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 more sensitive than a pussy. But, but <laughs> like, the the wind could blow too hard and my stomach would be in cramps, you know. So it's just. Yeah, I really I really think we should put that in practice just in our day-to-day lives. Say it until it catches on everywhere, right? Tell people to stop being testicles. And when somebody's standing up and being strong and resilient and, and, and going through things that you didn't think the human could possibly endure, you say, you stand up and be like, damn, damn, that's a real pussy right there, for, for real. Like, you know? Yeah, speak truth to power, right? Like, uh, the pussy is unimaginably strong, right? Uh, it, it takes a pounding on a regular basis, right? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Grown folk talk, right? We're all grown-ups here. 
but still though it's uh you know when when we talk we our language has that all wrong it, it's completely the opposite and women are general are stronger than men like not necessarily phys- physically like he's not going to beat her in arm wrestling right but i mean from what i see women women are able to endure much much more than men in general uh, in a lot of different situations you know if it wasn't for raw muscle power uh men would be the most serv- subservient pieces of shit in society <laughs> like a long shot <laughs> i don't care if people hate what i say it's the truth it's the fucking truth you know in a lot of ways it's a good thing we can beat y'all in arm wrestling <laughs> uh i'm playing my wife might beat me in arm wrestling right now. My out of shape ass. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking, y'all. Maybe. I don't know. I just want to say that though. I wanted to. I wanted to get that out there because uh, I just think I think the language has got it all wrong, and and I'm gonna I'm doing my part to erase that out of my my mindset or or um, verbal reaction. You know because. Oh, stop being a pussy, you know, like, that's, that's been a thing that people have said for a long time, and I'm guilty of it myself, I've said it for years, right, but the more I think about it, the more I think of how, uh, disassociated that saying used in that way is with the reality of the situation, like, a, it's, it's completely, it, it's completely just a chauvinistic, uh, kind of outlook on things that really, doesn't match reality it just doesn't it just doesn't so i'm gonna be doing my part uh to to try to change that from when i say it and how i say it and tell those people out there to stop being testicles when they be in testicles and to uh you know straighten up you know what i mean so hope this helps out with the morning commute these things are going to get a lot lot longer when i get people on for interviews if you want to get an interview, hit me up. Let me know. Uh, Parker Parker Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, my cell number, if you got it, hit me up at work. Like, Let's start getting things on the calendar. Let's start getting these interviews going because I really want to pull people in and have some real conversations. The podcast is going to go for a lot longer when I've got somebody to bounce the energy off of back and forth and really get some conversations going. You know, I know... I, I know I can talk a lot longer when it's not just me in a room, and those are certainly are going to happen. Those interviews are on the way. I, I don't know exactly when, but I do know they're going to happen in the future. I, I've got one scheduled with a good friend of mine that I go way back with. Uh, I've got that scheduled, uh, and I certainly want to schedule some more. So when you're hearing this and you, you would like to sit down and have a conversation on the Parker Parker podcast, you know, and y'all know who you are. Like, I, there's a lot of people I want to get on this podcast. Let's let's put it down on the calendar. Let's make it happen. You know, I appreciate y'all. I love y'all. Uh, and God bless. All right? All right, y'all have a good one out there. I'll talk to y'all soon. Take care.